And turn to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Work. Right? Sometimes that very word may cause some to shudder. You gotta work. So often, uh, perhaps we think we should work for the weekend, right? Just get through till Friday so we can enjoy our weekend. Or work for retirement and then we can retire. Although those who are retired will tell you work harder when you retire than when you worked. But we think of all those things. Many Christians see work as the result of the fall, right? We, we have to work because people sinned. And we kind of think of heaven as maybe we'll be sitting on a cloud, strumming a harp, doing nothing for all eternity or something, right? And we think of work as a bad thing. But what if I told you that work is not actually a part of the fall? What if I told you that work is part of God's created design? In Genesis chapter 2, we learn that we were created to work. You and I were actually created for the purpose of work. Let's see this Genesis chapter 2. We're going to try to make it through verse 17 today. It's good to have the kids in here with us today. Stay with me. I'll try to go a little shorter today for your sake. Let's look at the text. Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Thus the heaven and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one that flowed from around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Bedulam and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. And it is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. In this text, we learn that work is part of our creation mandate. It is part of, as as image bearers, it's part of what we are created to do. As God's image bearers, we are called to work. In this text, we see what it looks like in three 
ways. First, in, we're going to start actually in verse 4. And in verses 4 to 15, we see that God created man to work. It's interesting, as he begins verse 4, he begins with the phrase, these are the generations. Now, typically, when you read that phrase in Genesis, it's followed by a long list of names. This time, it's not. It's followed by an accounting of creation. Don't get thrown by that. Moses uses this phrase as a literary device to just break up the book of Genesis. When you read that phrase, he's starting a new section. And as he progresses in this, he's starting this section almost of a repeat of creation. And as God is creating, God looks on everything that he created, and it was incomplete. It wasn't done. It was a barren wasteland because he had not sent rain yet to cause growth. And he had not done that because he had no one to work the ground. He had not yet created his image bearer to work and care for the earth. And so we see in verse seven that in verses four through nine, but specifically in verse seven, that God created man from the earth to work the earth. Note, he says, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that God, the Lord God made the earth and the heavens when no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land and there was no man to work the ground and a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Now, first, we should note the way, the manner in which God created man. Remember, as we work through Genesis 1, how did he create everything? He he spoke right over and over. Genesis 1 is all about God's word. God said and things happen because God's word is powerful. But there's one thing God did not speak into existence. We're told that God formed man. Man, God formed. This term signifies that this act of creation was by design. And and with everything else, he created out of nothing. He said, let there be light, and out of nothing light came. And let there be land, and out of nothing there was land. But not man. Man, he created out of something. He used mud. From the mud of the earth, God created man. We are earthy beings. When we die, our bodies return to the earth. They turn back to dust. And it's interesting, even the word man, the Lord God formed man, it is the word Adam, where we get that first name, Adam. But it's also a mnemonic device because there's another word, Adama, which actually means earth. And so God is using this to demonstrate that we are from the earth to care for the earth. We see the purpose of man's creation and that he was made to work the garden. 
God did not create us simply to sit around or to enjoy ease. God created us to work. Work is not a bad thing. This means there should be some applications we should draw. Christians should be known for a strong work ethic. We should be different in the fact that we are willing and even at times eager to work hard. Christians should not be lazy because in our very image bearing of God, we are to work. This is why we are told in Jeremiah, whatever your hands find to do, do it with everything you have. We are called to work. But we also see that God created work to be beautiful. God created work to be beautiful. Work is hard, as we'll see in a couple weeks when we get to Genesis 3. Work is hard, and we don't generally like work because the curse did impact work. It made it challenging. But in God's created design, and and I believe because of this, we will work in heaven. And when we work in the eternal kingdom, it will be beautiful. And even today, work can be beautiful because God created this work to be beautiful. In verses 9 through 14, we get this description of the Garden of Eden. And it's not just there so that we can try and figure out where the garden was, right? Try and figure out where these different rivers are so we can figure out where it was and And as we figure out where it was, we understand today it's just desert. But that's not why he put this there. He put it here to describe the beauty of this garden. When God created work, he created in such a way as to be enjoyed. It was good and it was beautiful. And the point is here that physical labor is not a consequence of sin. It was here before sin. And if man had never sinned, we would still work. But this work, as we do it to God's glory, and as we will see in a moment, as we do it for worship, it is a beautiful thing. And so I challenge you, if if it's one of those things where you hate work, perhaps you hate your job, it might be a view of God issue. Now, it might be that your work is a bad place to be, but it very well might simply be that you have a bad view of God and therefore a bad view of work because God created work to be beautiful. But most importantly, we see in verse 15 that God created work as worship. God created work as As worship, it says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. The entire purpose of our creation is to image God and glorify him. And how do we do that? Verse 15 says, we work the earth and we keep it. This is how we worship God. Worship is not just coming on Sunday, typically to church, today to Johnny T's. It is even in your work. Do you worship in the way you work? In other words, do you make God look as good as he really is in the way that you work? Or do you make God look bad in the way that you work? 
We all know some people who claim to be Christians. Perhaps we work with them as co-workers and we pray, please don't tell anybody you're a Christian. Because their work ethic makes God look bad. That should not be the case. It should be that people ask, why do you work so hard? Take it easy. And your response is, I'm worshiping God in my work. God is too good for me to be lazy. You see, our work is worship. Well, man says, whatever activity the man was to engage in in the garden, and there's no reason to doubt that physical activity was involved. It was described in terms of spiritual service to the Lord. It was how he was to worship and serve God was to take care of his creation. God created us to work. Work is not a bad thing. So parents, teach your children to work. It's not wrong or harsh or mean to make them work. Now, I know they might think it is, but it's not. It is a testimony and a blessing to them. Kids, when your parents give you jobs to do, do it for God. Serve God in it. In our jobs, for those of us who are still working, in our jobs, we ought to make God look as good as he really is in the way that we work. For those who are retired, you didn't retire simply to collect seashells. You retired to have more time to serve God. So find ways to serve him in any way that you can. God created us to work so that one day we can stand before him and hear him say, well done. God created us to work. But we also see, secondly, that God created man to rest. God did create man to rest. We skipped this and we're going to go back to it. There's a reason I included it in this section, even though verse four really begins a new section. Verse one says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. We were not created to be workaholics. While we were created to work, we weren't created solely to work, to burn the candle at both ends. And while verse 4 marks a new section, excuse me, verses 1 through 3 are not unrelated. Here we see God picture what came to be instituted as the Sabbath day or Sabbath Rest. God pictured Sabbath rest. Now we remember from chapter one, God spends six days working, creating all things. And on the seventh day, we are told he finished and we would expect it to end there. But it doesn't. It says God rested from all his work. Now, did God rest because he was tired? It was just so exhausting for God to make all things. He just had to have a day off. Of course not. He's God. God does not tire. So why does God rest? He does it as a picture for us. We need rest. 
God balanced work and rest. God worked six days and rested one day. We see that God does not call man just to sit around and live a life life of ease. But he also does not call man to work till you're dead. He he calls for a balance. He pictures for us this balance between work and rest. Now, we should note it is more work than rest, but it is not solely work until you're dead. This is a weakness of our culture. We, We tend to go one of two extremes in our culture, from my observation. We have one group of people who don't want to work at all, and we have another group of people who all they do is work. And I would propose to you that neither is God's created design. God designed us to work hard, but also to rest. We are finite beings. We're not God. We must rest. I don't know about you. If I don't rest, I get sick. My body breaks down, right? God created us to rest, but he didn't just create this rest for leisure. We do tend to say, you're right, I need rest. And so I'm going to rest by going and playing. And that's not necessarily wrong, but we must remember, as God pictured this rest for us, even our rest is worship. God created rest for worship. God created work for worship, but he created rest for worship. We see this in another text in Exodus chapter 20. Here, God institutes the Sabbath day. And he says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This rest is not simply for nap time. This rest is for us to worship God. And we see, even in the way that the Israelites took this commandment, they on that day would go to the synagogue and worship God. And we picture that today on Sundays as we gather on the Lord's Day to worship God. The day of rest is not simply a day of play. In fact, it is a day to recuperate and to worship God and thank Him for who we are. To thank Him for what He has done for us. To be reminded that we're not God, we need to rest, and He is God, and so we worship Him. We often ignore Sabbath rest. We often simply see that day as another day just to go. But the reality is the Sabbath day is not simply instituted through the law, but is anchored in creation itself. And we would be wise to learn to take Sabbath rest. To take a day where we don't work where we do rest and worship God. So all this to say there is a balance. We ought to work hard, but we also ought to rest, to remember that we are finite. As Christians, we should keep 
that balance. Work is worship. And rest is worship. Do you worship God in the way you rest and in the way that you work? But there's a final thing that we see in this text that is really important. God created man to work. God created man to rest. But God also in all of this created man to submit. Now it might be in your own minds as you are talking to yourself, as I'm up here talking, you are thinking, but you don't understand everything that I have to get done. If I rest, I won't get it all done. I have to be a workaholic. Or perhaps you're thinking, work stinks. I want to rest. I want to do nothing. I like to do nothing. We are called to submit to God's commands. In verse 16, we are told, The Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now this verse is not only here to set up the fall in chapter 3. We see the first mention of the trees earlier in the chapter in the description of the Garden of Eden as he's describing all that God has laid out for man to work. And he says there in the garden with those trees were two important trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we see that the purpose in all things we are called to submit to God in everything that we do. The first chapter Stress the importance of the word of the Lord is how powerful and magnificent and great it is. And the second chapter emphasizes that it is a call to obey. It's a test of obedience. And we see that temptation is inherent in our God-given duties. Have you ever wondered why God made the test a tree? Don't eat of the fruit. That seems like an odd test, doesn't it? I don't know about, maybe we've grown up with it so long and we, we, for whatever reason, we picture it as an apple, but Eve ate the apple. But ever pause to think, why, why that? Why a tree? Why make the test don't eat of that tree? That seems kind of weird. But it is because it was inherent in Adam's call and in our call to work. Temptation to disobey God is going to be inherent in this call to work and to rest. This is where often we fail and we fall. And the temptation for Adam and Eve was in their work. You are to care for these trees. This tree brings life and this tree brings death in the middle of your work. So you might be tempted to ignore God's commands regarding work as worship and rest as worship. But in this, we see that there is a disaster awaiting us because disobedience to God's commands brings disaster. He says, if you eat of this tree, you will die. And we see in chapter 3 that indeed, that's what happens. Because they were unwilling to submit to God's commands regarding work and rest, we struggle today. And we have those same temptations. 
So learn to balance work and rest. Work is not a curse. Work is our call. And as I mentioned, I believe that we will work in heaven. So we are called to develop a strong work ethic. We are called to worship in the way that we work. Yet, we are called to rest as well. We're not called to burn the candle at both ends. We're not called to work until we're sick. But this rest is not simply for recreation. It is for worship. We should prioritize corporate worship. We should prioritize gathering together. We should point to Christ in the way that we rest. We should rest different than the world rests. Because our rest is worship. And we see in the end that the failure to submit to God's commands results in disaster. Certainly through the curse of sin, but also when we fail to submit to God's created design. We see disaster in our own life. How many families have been ruined because of laziness or because of overwork? How many lives have been wasted because of laziness or because of overwork? Work is a gift from God to be handled rightly. Let me give you three so what's to think about. Hopefully continue to spur your thinking as we conclude today. Number one, worship God in the way you work. Tomorrow, you're going to have to work. Aren't you excited? But you should be. Because it's an opportunity to demonstrate how great God is in the way that you work. When we remember that, it changes what we do. It changes the monotony of your job in what you do. Because now you're not simply doing it for a paycheck that the government takes most of. Now you're not doing it for a company that doesn't really care about you. You're doing it for a God who loves you intimately to make him look as good as he really, ought, he really is. So worship God in the way that you work. Number two, worship God in the way that you rest. Some of us are really good at resting, but not good at resting well. We rest by working or we rest by ignoring God. But we're reminded that we ought to observe Sabbath rest. That is rest for God, to remind ourselves of God. So even today, as we go from here, don't just go into play or recreation. Spend some time today with God, pointing to God. Observe Sabbath rest. Worship God in the way you rest. And finally, submit to God's created design. God's created design is a balance of work and rest. So submit to that balance. Worship God in every aspect of your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us clarity even on something as simple as work. 
Lord, often we view work as a curse, as something we simply have to endure in order to pay our bills. But Lord, help us to view work differently. Help us to recognize that it is a good gift from you, that through it we can find satisfaction and joy and make you look as good as you really are. Help us to maintain a right view of rest, to recognize and acknowledge our need for rest, but also to balance it with work, to rest properly and make you look good in the way that we rest. Lord, we thank you even through all of this of our reminder that we are not you. We are finite, earthy beings who will break if we don't follow your created design. Help us to point the world to the cross through it. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.